hearts of God. We're glad you're joining us online. Uh, we are thankful for your labor worship team. Those who are here, the media team, we are glad and grateful that you're here with us tonight. And so i like to just um, take the time tonight that we have um, and I'll preach to you uh, a sermon from the book of Judges chapter 6 tonight. The book of Judges uh, chapter 6, if you would go there in the Word of God with me. I want to preach a very simple a message tonight, uh, but I want to leave you tonight with an encouragement uh, in this message. And as we do that, uh, I want to encourage you to pay close attention uh, if you're online uh, or if you're here with us tonight. Uh, wherever you're at, you would be uh, attentive and let's believe that God will speak and move uh, upon us tonight. Uh, when I got saved, um, 2001, uh, one of the very first miracles that God had ever done in my life that I personally witnessed was coming into the kingdom of God and after getting saved, I grew up having a condition known as epilepsy. And for years, I would have seizures as a child from the age of 11, 12, 13, uh, a number of different instances where I would have seizures. And in most of these seizures, what would happen, I would begin to bite my lips so bad that it would start to bleed. Uh, I would come to a place where I would lose some form of awareness. I don't realize what's happening around me. Uh, but yet I can see, but I can't do anything about it. My behavior when that seizure happens would be extremely odd. And I have had numbers of instances that that has happened to me. And at that time, my parents would take me to the hospital and we would get treatment. And, you know, I remember my dad carrying me at that age and, you know, putting me in the car and we'll rush down to the hospital. And doctors would look at me and they would say, okay, we need to do a scan and all these and all of that. And eventually they would prescribe some medication. And it started with a certain medication. I don't even remember the name of it, but it started with two tablets. And whenever it, there was a reoccurrence of the seizure... When we go back to see the doctor, he would say, okay, you know what, I think two is not enough. We've got to up it to four. And it came to a time where I was taking close to six pills at any one time during the day. And years went by, came to a place where I realized, you know what, I know who God is. And after being saved... I began to pray. I said, God, you have to heal me from epilepsy. And I remember praying. I remember laying hold of God, crying out to Him about this. And something in my spirit that was something so confirming and so convicting, God began to deal with me that I should stop taking the pills and I was completely healed. At first, obviously, my parents were disagreeable to that. 
But I took a step of faith. We began to talk about it. We agreed. And to much of our amazement, I never went back to the pills because after that, I knew God had indeed healed me. That was a miracle that I experienced firsthand in my walk with God. I would assume that was probably the very first miracle that I saw God do with my bare eyes, that I saw God move in and I realized how powerful He truly is. And moving into that, I stopped and years have gone by and I can testify to you tonight that God has indeed done a miracle in my body. And as I was reading a passage this week, I came across the text I'm going to read to you. And it spoke to me so relevantly and so personally that I believe it will do the same to you, especially in the season that we're in today. See, every miracle that has ever transpired, beloved, has involved the virtue of faith. You cannot remove faith from a miracle. When faith is removed, miracles become impossible. And God is not incapable of doing the impossible, but oftentimes God wants to increase our faith while He does it. So before He does the impossible, it is God's desire that our faith increases. And I've seen that to be a pattern. I've seen God taking us through seasons with the sole purpose of bringing an increment to our faith. Can God do the miracle? Oh, He can. Can God move in the impossible? Yes, He can. But what is God's reason for not doing it, Pastor? Because many times it is God trying to increase our faith. And I want to talk to you about that for a few moments. I want to talk to you about the God of miracles tonight. Judges chapter 6 verses 13 through 16. If you would go there with me in the word of God. Judges chapter 6 verses 13 through 16. The Bible tells us, Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are his miracles? which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Let's pray. Father, I come by your authority tonight, believing and trusting that you would speak to our hearts, God. Lord, I cast down every work of hell right now, and I pray that your word will go forth, God, bringing conviction, stirring us, challenging us, encouraging us, God. Be to us, O God, our Savior and our King, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here Gideon is visited by an angel. 
And he is appointed to become the deliverer for the children of Israel. A deliverer, not like Moses, but this time around, they are under the slavery and the bondage. They are under the stronghold and the control of the people of, the, of Midian. And the Midianites were a people that held them captive. And we understand that from this passage, Gideon is not a fool. He looks at the call. He understands that this is not an easy call. This is not something that is possible for him to do. He realizes that this is a task that is before me that is impossible if God is not involved. Yet I want to emphasize this evening, Gideon's question, why then has all of this happened? Let that sink in. Why then has all these happened to us? And where are all His miracles? Where, where are you God in, in all that's going on in my life now, in all that I'm facing, in everything that is happening, my children, my career, my job, my family, my relationship, my marriage, my finances. God, where are you in all of this? Why is this happening? Why is this taking place? God, where are you? Where are the miracles that I heard and I've heard so much about, but I've not seen for myself? You realize tonight that there are many Christians who have not seen a personal miracle that God has actually done. Personally, they have not experienced. They talk about their salvation. They talk about God moving in a super. But I'm going to share with you some of my personal miracles. I thought of just putting that in because as I was growing up, I saw God moving in so many ways that if today you come to me and tell me, don't be a Christian, uh, I, I cannot run from my faith because I saw God move. I experience God doing me. I stand here today as a testimony to tell you, God is real. That there is no way you can doubt His existence. There is no way you can doubt. And we can ask the question, it can be innocent tonight. It can be a question of curiosity tonight. But Gideon is puzzled. We have to understand what's happening. He's puzzled. If God is real, if God is there, if God sees and God is looking down, if God indeed is involved in protecting us, then why are the Midianites coming against us? Why are these violations happening? Why are these things taking place? To his benefit, what Gideon was simply saying is, if God, you're so great, why is this happening? How many have asked that question tonight? See, that million dollar question has resonated in many of our minds probably more than ever. God, where are you? And I think more than ever, it has been more real in this past year for all of us. Where is God? Why is God allowing this to happen? We have questions, but no answers. And these questions can eventually lead us to a place of doubt and unbelief. Miracles 
are God's unexplainable, mysterious, supernatural work. But every miracle that has been experienced, beloved, is seen in the result of faith at work. And I want to talk to you about that for a few moments because faith in God's character is what produces miracles. At this year, at, at, at the 17 year, at 17 years of age, in May of 2005, we had a midterm examination that was necessary for all the students in my school, Form 5 at that time, to take. It was the year where we were taking our SPM exams. And this would be one of the most important exams. I think it was probably the midterm exam. And during that exam, during that period, uh, we had a healing crusade. And this was a healing crusade that happened every year. At one point of time, we had it yearly uh, with Pastor Campbell coming in every year. And this healing crusade would happen during that same period of time. And I began to feel this stir in my heart. Knowing that the exam was in the same time, knowing that I want to be at the conference, I went to my teacher. And I asked her, can you allow me to sit for my history paper later? I know it sounds so stupid and foolish, isn't it? Would you allow me to come after I finish my rally and then take the paper? I can remember her name was Chek Chung. She was a stern teacher. She looked me straight in the eye and she said, No, that's all. But being the person I am, I went back to her again and again. And she made this statement to me and eventually on the second or the third, or third uh, instance, she looked at me and she says, Gregory, I, I told you no. But for whatever reason, I don't know why I'm going to do this. You come in the afternoon and do the paper. And that was exactly what happened. My second miracle that I saw God do before my very eyes. I realized God, she was adamant that this was not, I'm a young man, these are things that, you know, surprised me that God, you would even step in for me. I mean, the teacher would trust, I could have easily called a friend and say, hey, what you answered for question one, question two. I went after all of them set for the exam, and this was the era where phones were everywhere. We had mobile phones. And yet, God began to do that and I began to find something about God in that. My confidence in God's character increased. I realized at that point of time that I knew God, that God was interested in, in, in preserving my salvation, that in His character, I know that there were the circumstances before me, but my confidence in God's character, my confidence in who God says He is, that He is, a, he is one who answers prayer. He is one who is faithful. He is one who moves when you ask for Him to move. He is the one who hears you when you call on Him. It became more and more evident 
happened to me at a, as a young man. That miracle brought me to a place where I knew God and I knew what He wanted of me. And the children of Israel right here in this passage may not be the best representation of this. After all, they murmured all through the desert. We're talking about faith in God's character here. They left Egypt and they had zero confidence in God's character to say the least. They didn't think that a God who delivered them from a yoke of bondage loved them enough to literally lead them to a promised land flowing with milk and honey. They couldn't process that. They had no faith in who he said he was. They murmured, they complained, they fussed. Yet what we find in those passages is this. God still moved for them. And the great temptation as always is to distract our mind from who God says he is to be focused and aimed at what is happening around us. This was Gideon's plight. And his difficulty with God, his forefathers saw God. His forefathers experienced God. His forefathers had encounters with God. His forefathers saw the hand of God in the desert, leading them from the, uh, Egypt all the way through the promised land. Their forefathers saw that take place. They knew they experienced God in a unique and powerful way. But Gideon's expectation here from the statement he makes describes he's disappointed with God. He expected God, hear me very carefully tonight, he expected God to give them victory without the fight. Why do we need to fight with the Midianites? Why did this even happen in the first place? He expected God to give them victory without oppression. And I can relate with Gideon right here. He's probably feeling emotionally betrayed and forsaken. He's probably feeling like, God, you have forsook us. You have abandoned us. You have walked away from us. You have ignored us. You have, you know, uh, 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 betrayed us in this. And we can relate that to Jesus in the Bible, Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, El Eli, Eli, lama sabatatani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself had this impending concern towards his father. And I say to you tonight, our mental alignment, when life is not going the way we want it to go, our mental alignment in seasons, especially like Gideon's, is critically vital. How we think, how we process, and the thoughts we entertain is very important. That's why I say to you, reading is therapeutic. I'm not talking about from the phone. Uh, you've got to pick up a book. You've got to read because reading a book does more for your mind than what you read on Facebook. Stop being distracted. I know you hear me say that a lot, but I, I wish I had the opportunity to sit down with everyone and explain to you the dangers of these screens and all of that. But beloved, we can't stop. This is the generation we're living in. But I can only say to you, reading is very therapeutic. It helps your mind 
It really helps you stay focused. And it becomes conveniently easy when we allow any thoughts to come into... This is where Satan attacks. This is where Satan presents to you. See, God is nowhere. God doesn't care about you. Look, look at your bank account. Look at your children. Look at your needs. Look at the empty jars like I preached. God doesn't care. And we like Gideon will begin questioning, God, where are you? I've heard, you know, pastors speak about miracles. I've heard many people come on and say, I saw God do this. I've seen God do that. I've seen brothers and sisters experiencing you in such intimate and personal. But I've not seen that God. Now that, that can be a different sermon altogether because if you've not seen God move in, a, in, in miracle signs and wonders, beloved, at the first drop of hardship, you will run from Jesus. Because you cannot confidently say He is real. But when you have seen God answer prayer, when you have experienced and encountered God doing miracles, this is why as parents and as elders and as leaders, it is our duty to set the tone in church at home so our children will see God, so our children will experience God. And it becomes so easily, it becomes so conveniently easy to dismiss truth when the Midianites are coming against you, when Satan is forming his best weapon against you, it becomes so easy to focus on the problem rather than Jesus. And I know we hear that said a lot, but just bear with me, I'm going somewhere with all, with all of this because we can be so discreetly distracted from the character and the nature of God. You know, our problems create fear. Anxiety, panic, and that in turn mentally drains us from seeing God. The problem, listen to me very carefully, the problem is not the problem. It is the after effect of the problem that distracts you from seeing God. See, you go through something in life. Here's, here's Gideon. The problem that is before him today is forefronted with the Midianites coming. These are things that he's having to deal with and face. But beloved, when you study scripture, you realize that this was a man who had fear in his heart. He was anxious. He was panicking because he looked at himself. He says, I'm the least I'm not an important number in the, amongst my tribe. Why would you call me? Why would you ask of me to go? And he's beginning to process this through fear, through anxiety and through panic. And in that spirit, and in that, in that spirit, you can be completely blinded from seeing God. Tonight when you come to the altar, tonight when you pray, you need to break fear. You need to break anxiety. You need to break panic. Problems are everywhere, beloved. Every one of us will face problems in life whether you like it or you don't. You can't run away from it. It's always going to be present. But if you let your emotions take control 
when you're going through crisis, you will obviously be distracted from seeing God's character. And when your faith can no longer hinge on God's character, don't, don't give me the answer tonight, but I'm only human. So are everyone else who's trying to trust God. We are all on the same journey of having to fight and say, yes, this is the reality, but I am choosing not to live in fear. I am choosing not to become anxious. I am choosing not to panic because that spirit can take my attention away from who God really is. You see, many a times, just like Gideon, he said, why didn't you just give them to us? Why didn't you just give us victory? How often Christians, this is our problem, isn't it? We expect God to give us victory the way we want victory. We want to win the way we want to win. We don't want to win the way God wants us to win. Can I say to you, beloved, that sometimes the way God expects us to win is in us not getting something. We think just because we got a job or just because we got a relationship or because we entered into a partnership of something or some sort, we think somehow, oh, that is the blessing of God, but that could be far from the truth. Maybe it is God's blessing that He didn't want you to go into that. Maybe it's God's blessing that He didn't want you to do that. Maybe it's God's blessing that He actually is trying to tell you, don't be a fool, don't be foolish, don't be gullible. But our refusal in the midst of fear, this generation is so dominated. Everybody wants to, you know, be able to stave and keep up with the future. Nothing wrong with that. But how many people are doing things they know that they cannot change? Forsaking time with their families forsaking time with their children, forsaking time with God to chase after something that won't even last. That's what fear does. It takes your eyes away from God's care. God says, I will take care of you. But we don't like that. We don't want to accept it God's way. We want to do it our way. We expect God to bring us victory our way. And if that ha- doesn't happen the way we expect it, you know what we think? We think that God has forsaken us and God has absconded. See, the journey to the promised land, let's, let's think about this for a few minutes, okay? The journey to the promised land took 40 years. right? But we know that theologians, historians suggest to us that it could have been done in 11 days. And when you think about it, the children of Israel journeyed out of Egypt. They went to Goshen. And from Goshen, they went to the Red Sea. And then from the Red Sea, they went to Mount Sinai. And from Mount Sinai, they went to Mount Hor. And then eventually, they entered the Promised Land. This entire journey... If you look at your maps behind, uh, at the back of the Bible, you, will, you would see that. Uh, 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 this entire journey took them 40 years. But if you look at the map, undeniably, they could have just gone through the Mediterranean Sea 
And if they just crossed the Mediterranean Sea, they would be at the promised land on the other side. But why did God do that? Because God time and time and time again reminds us, I'm not going to do it the way you want me to do it. I'm God. I can do it how I want to and in which way I want to do it. But what is the key? How do we know that something is indeed from God when our relationship and our faith in God is growing? See, there's so many things that go on in the world today. And people say, this is the way, or this is the way, or this is the way. Right? This is what God wants. This is what God, this is how God wants to do it. But I've seen how many people who come out and say things like that, and when you look at their relationship with God, it is on E. Because that has not been a blessing to them. That has taken them further away from God. Numbers 32 verses 13. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel and He made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. The Lord's anger was aroused. Again, He made them wander for 40 years. God, why didn't you just let us take the shortcut? Because He's God. He wants to teach us about faith and relationship with Him before leading us to the promise. And these are the lessons you learn. Every time I saw God do a miracle, I saw God increase my faith. Every time I experienced God move, I experienced God doing something in my faith. And God led, led Gideon to a place that challenged his trust. Think with me here. It called upon him to reflect where he truly stood with God. His trust in God will now, become, will be, now be measured by his obedience to God. The Bible says in verses 14, Go in this might of yours. God is instructing Gideon. Go in this might of yours. I'm asking you, what has God instructed you? What has God spoken and told you to do? What has God been personally challenging you to do? You see, the other day I was making a statement. I said, you know, when it comes time for giving, uh, one of the things, you know, my wife and I talk about often is that there are people in this congregation whom we know pray and ask God what I should give. Because she shares and she tells me that sometimes you can see them giving this amount, suddenly this amount, suddenly... And we're not talking about tithe, we're talking about offerings. Because remember, beloved, God will say things to us. You want God to speak to you, ask Him to tell you an amount while you're giving. Don't just fall on autopilot. Oh, I just, every time I just give a 50 ringgit, or I give 5 ringgit, or 10... Why don't you get personal with God and say, God, what do you want me to give? You know, it, it's so fascinating that when you give into the kingdom of God, do you know all that it takes care of in the kingdom through your giving? You're talking about needs, electricity, uh, water. You're talking about the, the building and the maintenance of the building. You're talking about salaries. You're talking about all of these needs and all of these things because you know what? You give your tithes, you honor God with an offering and look at how much it takes care of. And this is the fascinating reality when it comes to giving. This is the fascinating reality when it comes to tithing. You cannot accomplish that 
on your own. And in all that we do, why do we cover all of Why do we make sure that all of that is... Why do we make sure we can be on live stream? Why do we pay the internet bill? Why do we do all of that? So that we can reach more people for Jesus. And your giving enables that. Your giving doesn't just take care of some chakwe tiao. After you eat, you go to the toilet. I mean, it doesn't just cover that. It covers an entire month of needs in the church. Okay, I don't know why I said all of that, but anyway, wherever that falls. But your obedience to God in every arena, your act of submission to God, go in this might, he said, in the, his forward movement will now reveal his faith in God. Does he really trust God? How do I know if someone trusts God? Observe if they're moving forward or backwards. And this is, a, this is very notable. I've seen people in this time of COVID-19 taking steps back. People who have been praying and laying on God. People who have been giving and people who have been faithful in many arenas. And, 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 and it's, so, it's so interesting. You look at them taking steps forward, getting more involved, doing more for God. And you see God's blessing upon them. It is to be the benefit of the believer that we establish trust in God's character. You'll never survive the crisis of life unless you put your faith in God's character. You will always be tempted to give up. You will always be tempted to quit unless you put your faith in God's character. Let me give you three of His character tonight that you need to be observant to. There are about 12 different moral attributes that you find in Scripture, obvious ones, obvious ones in how God relates to humanity, moral attributes, but they can be broken into three categories. And those are His characters, those are His attributes. Number one, holiness. Holiness. Justice. Righteousness, wrath, falls under the category of holiness. Because He's a holy God, He judges. Because He's a holy God, He functions righteously. Because He's a holy God, He exercises wrath on the wicked. Because He's holy. So one of God's character is that He is holy. The second characteristic of God is love. And under the category of love falls the subcategory of mercy. Because of His love, He shows mercy. Because of His love, He shows grace. Because of His love, He shows patience. Because of His love, He shows goodness. Because of His love, He shows faithfulness. And the third attribute of God is truth which you cannot remove from God. And so now when you understand that God functions in these three characteristics, when you go through life, you can now attribute every circumstance and say, you know what? God's character is this. He is holy. He is going to judge the unrighteous. 
He is going to judge the ungodly. And when your focus is on His character, because He's holy, He is going to judge the ones who are unrighteous. He is going to judge those who are wicked because you understand that and you keep your eyes on His holiness, you will make it through that crisis. The problem will constantly assault you. The problem will constantly come against you. But beloved, when your focus is on God's character, He's a holy God. He's not going to cheat you. He's not going to violate you. He's not going to take advantage of you. He's not going to beat you around the bush. He's not going to abuse you. He's a holy God. Do you understand tonight? He is holy. When you go through those crises, when you're in the wilderness, you know the temptation is to say, you know, God, where are you? You don't care. How can He not care? He's holy. He's holy. Maybe He's taking you through the wilderness to judge someone who's ungodly. See, your focus has to be on God's character. In other words, you see, our obedience towards God is subject to reconciling our mind with the reality of God's unchanging character. I learned, I don't understand God why I'm going through this I don't get it God but you know what I am confident that you love me my focus is on your character that means in the struggle of life your love for me I cannot take my eyes off that see where you focus in those crises will determine whether you survive as a Christian. Look at Gideon's question. Why? Why then has all this happened? Look at his question, where are all his miracles? Then he says, which are my father's? And in all of these questions, they are very simple answers. Why God? Where God? Which God? It's because I'm holy, I'm loving, and I'm a God who always walks in truth. So your why, your how, your what, your when, can be broken down and dissected to those three main reasons. Because I'm holy. Because I'm loving. And because I'm truth. So why are you not giving me, God, what I want? Because I'm holy. Because I'm loving. And because I'm truth. But God, why did my child fall sick? Because I'm holy. Because I'm loving. And because I'm a God of truth. But God, why do you let me lose that job? Because I'm holy, because I'm loving, and because I'm truth. When your attention homes in on that character of God. See, Gideon got it all wrong as we close. Did you read the passage? 
He said, God, why did you forsake us? Did, did you see that? He twisted it. God didn't forsake them. He, they forsook God. They walked away from God. And this is exactly what human beings do. This is what we do as human beings. This is our human nature. We turn to God and say, why did you do this to me? But we did it upon ourselves. We turned our back on God. Look at Judges chapter 2. Uh, Chengkong, go ahead and put that up. Verses 11 to 12. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. This is Judges. We're, we're, we're reading a, 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 a few chapters after and we're talking about Gideon asking the question as to why God, why? Why have you forsaken? Why did you walk away? Why did you do this? Why did you not no longer show us miracles? And, and just look at a few chapters before and the Bible says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, served the Baals. They forsook the Lord their God, their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed after other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. Did God forsake them? No. They forsook God. And this is what happens to most of us. Why God? How about we spend some time going back to the things that God has been instructing us to do and we have been refusing to do it. To him to know good and to him who does not do it, to him it is sin. To know to pray and not to pray, it is sin. To know to read the Bible and not read the Bible, it is sin. To know to tithe and not to tithe, is sin. To know to walk in holiness and not walk in holiness, is sin. To know God and to know that he is a righteous God and not walk in righteousness, it is sin. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Then we turn around and say, why are you not blessed? me who forsook who who turned their back on who jeremiah 2 5 thus says the lord what injustice have your father found in me that they have gone far from me he's talking about the children of israel walked away from him have followed idols and have become idolaters Hosea chapter 8 verses 3, Israel has rejected the good. The enemy will pursue them. Who rejected God? Can I ask you, who's looking at stuff that you shouldn't be looking at on your phone? And then you say, God, why are you not blessing me? Who's reading stuff that you shouldn't be reading? gossip and slander and all of those garbage and then you wonder why God is not blessing you who has become bitter and upset with people around it? oh these people you know they're useless and we constantly complain and murmur you know complaining is a sin oops hey the children of Israel complained so much it took them 40 years to get to the promised land you know what was the major reason they got delayed to go into a... They complain. They complain about everything. And guess what? Christians have become complain, complain about the government, complain about this, complain about that, complain about this people, complain about that, complain about this politician, complain about that politician. We don't even realize anymore that we are sinning every day so casually. <laughs> and then we ask ourselves, why is God not blessing? Maybe you should just zip your mouth and stay silent. 
Instead of bombarding this person and that person and this person and this evil and that evil, complain. Okay, I'll let that sink there. Because that's the truth, beloved. It's sin. And then we really wonder why God's not blessing. Who forsook who? So let's go back to the truth as we close. I'm, I'm going to try to bring this down. It is never God's character to forsake and abandon His children. Never. Never. But it is His character. Again, let's go back to holiness, love, and truth. It is His character not to abandon or forsake it, but it is His character to exercise justice and truth. That means if he sees wickedness, he will judge it. If he sees ungodliness, he will exercise truth on it. Because that's his character. He's holy, he's loving, and he's truth. Are you with me tonight? So God will do what it takes to act in the capacity of his character with all that's happening around us. And he cannot act out of his character. You cannot expect God to sit down and lie and cheat and bribe and do all of those kind of garbage with you because that is not his character. You cannot expect God to sit by your side while you're scrolling and looking at images you shouldn't be looking at. And then you expect God to be, you know, with no, no, that's not in his character. It doesn't sit well with his character. In his character, he's holy, so he will judge. He will exercise truth. And often we point our finger at God for our own negligence and refusal. The Gideon syndrome is failing to see truth of what is happening around us. Right? Now, pastor, you, you talk about complaining. Have you complained? Oh, yes, I do a lot. Which, uh, obviously, I need to watch what I say and how much I speak and what I say uh, uh, because... According to God, it is wrong. I say, God, I have to learn to be quiet because it's, it's so easy to say things. So don't feel bad if you're... Because all of us, it's, 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 it's natural that we do that. But I'm, I'm helping you realize that there are things God wants to change us from we need to confront and deal with tonight. The question tonight, do you see God's character? in your present circumstances? Or has fear, panic, anxiety blind you? I'm so terrified, I don't know what's going to happen. And then you forget, you forget He's a holy God. You forget He's a loving God. You forget He's a God of truth. You get so caught up in your fear, you get so caught up in your anxiety, you get so caught up in your panic that you no longer realize that even whatever the circumstances are, God is going to remain holy, loving, and truth. Are there questions and doubts, unbelief, that has genuinely drawn you away from His character? See, God's miracle changes the heart of the man. I close with this very quickly. The Bible says in verses 15, So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? A man who was resistant to that idea in the first place. 
A man who refused, who questioned God, turns around, there's a change in his heart. And I can tell you, beloved, that by reading this, it is necessary if we're going to obey God, that a change of heart must happen. And Gideon had to change his stand concerning this. He had to say, God, how can I do it? How? You know, is it I? And he said, my Lord, how can I say? He softened himself up to God. He was willing to lay himself down. He was willing to put himself at the altar and say, God, here's my life. Take it and use it to save us. We know, obviously, he asked God for signs. Later on, you read, but... The end of the story is powerful because we know that God gave him victory. But I realize that, beloved, listen carefully here. When God can change our hearts, God can do miracles. The one who hinders God's miracles often is us. Us. We stop him because of the way we speak. Because of the things we do, we stop him because of our attitudes. We stop him because we say, God, you know, I, I, can't, I can't do the right thing. We stop him. If God can change your heart like he did Gideon's, God can do miracles. When I was in school in USJ 13, we approached the headmistress to start a CF. We told the teacher, we told the headmistress, we said, look, we want to start a Christian fellowship in the school. She was a Muslim woman. She, at that moment, she banged her hand on the table and she said, why my school? Why my school? Go to the other schools. She was so upset with the consideration of even having a CF. Long story short, we left feeling that God, there was no way for us to start a CF here. I'm a student. I was a student in that school. But we said, God, we're not going to let it go. We want to see you do a miracle. We begin to pray. One week later, exactly one week later, they had a PIBG meeting. The parents came together and the parents said, we want a CF in school. Can we do it? This teacher who banged her table, yelling at the top of her lungs, called us back. Long story short, she said, would you start the CF for us? That was the third miracle I saw God do. And I knew God was real. One miracle after the... I'm just sharing my life tonight with you. I saw God do these things. And I have many other stories. I'm just using the first three stories of my salvation. But those miracles rooted me to be the Christian I am. Has, has enabled me to stay rooted in God. I saw God move upon the heart. I saw God touch the principal's heart. I saw God break that pride. And today, anyone can come and tell me anything. Oh, God cannot save this person. They're too hard-hearted or whatever it is. I am convinced God can save anybody. 
Because I saw that miracle with my own eyes. I saw God do it. And Judges chapter 8.22 says, Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son, and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Median. I say to you tonight, God gave Gideon victory. Why? Because he was able to change the heart of this man. Has your heart become hardened? Callous? I'm amazed you sit down with people and they share stories with you sometimes and you share some things with them and in their minds they seem to think they're angels but you can see all the flaws. You're like, bro, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Like, you think you're not the issue. You think, yeah, they are the one. No, no, I, I, I'm referring to you. you know? But it's a fearful thing, right? Because they would do the same thing and you are also at flaw and you don't see it. And that's why I always want to be accountable to people. I want people to know who we are. We have issues, no doubt. Not, we, don't, we don't embrace sin. But my point to you is this, beloved. If we become hard-hearted, We will never see our own flaws. We will think we are always right. And that was Gideon's problem. God had to break that before he could do a miracle in his life. So what stops God from doing a miracle in your life tonight? The status, the title hasn't changed. He is still the God of miracles. And I can share numbers of stories with you. Moving into my uh, adulthood, the miracles we saw in the kingdom, in the church, the miracles we saw in our own personal lives, the time you've heard numbers of my stories regarding money, and I shared that with you. No, we don't tell any details you know, about, 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 about our situation to anyone. Back in 2010, 2011, very new in church, we had a lady who, who uh, uh, hardly even came to church and one day we are going home and she begins to follow us from the back yeah like what does this lady want we get into the house and she stops in front of our gate and she comes out she says you know what i don't know why god put this in my i saw you and i felt god wanted me to give you this money and she gave us money i can tell you miracles god has not changed we have we are the hindrance to the miracles he wants to do my challenge tonight put your faith in his character and know he's holy he's loving and his truth bow your heads tonight